was continuous meditation, meditating on peace. That, of course, doesn't imply that you don't keep on doing that. It's this this designated period of time to aditan, to resolve, to, to stay with something, to develop something, pay special attention to, uh, to particular aspects or particular things. So the aditana uh, is, this is the Pali word, it's a paramita or a virtue beautiful quality that we all need. We need to be able to resolve, to make resolution, to stay with something, to see it through to the end, to be able to learn from it. Not just, it's not to be seen as a, as a, to prove yourself that you can do something. It's not uh, a, a kind of, I'm going to show you type of attitude. Aditana is a virtue, so it is learning how to develop and stay with, finish what you began. Because the the world is uh, that way, we tend to start things on inspiration, interest and dedication, and then those, those qualities easily uh, dissolve. You can't keep, you can't stay inspired through your life. And all the good intentions in the beginning that that uh, they motivate us to do something easily fall away, and then we become disillusioned or bored, weary, uh, uninterested, and uh, we sink into that mental condition, and then they usually give up or seek something else, something seek some new romance or some in new inspiration, new interest. And if that's all you can do, then you're then you are definitely uh, you don't have the barometers to develop the spiritual life. You haven't if you don't have aditana, then there's no way you can can endure take to be able to take uh, the the conditions that we have to uh, experience in spiritual development. Because spiritual development is, we have to endure the unendurable. It's a holocaust, a total burning. And so it's a total dedication, determination, which is cannot depend on just being inspired in the moment. Inspiration is, is cannot last. It's not a lasting quality. It's not it's not a baramita, in other words. But aditana doesn't mean staying with something uh, as a kind of, just a kind of uh, making uh, uh, determinations, just uh, one can become addicted to baramitas, to, I mean, to aditana, to re- making resolutions. 
So this is where wisdom is necessary, to be able to to make resolutions that you know are wise and will help toward the spiritual life, not just to be someone who's always setting challenging setting up challenges and trying to to prove yourself or force situations or or just to uh, be one who kind of endures like a like a cow in the pasture uh, just goes dull and stupid it's not a, a blind or insensitive endurance we're after but the ability to to awaken to be alert to life the flow of life to be able to endure which we think we cannot endure to be able to be patient um, two more seconds than we ordinarily would we're not setting our resolutions at the highest standard that we can imagine but but developing cultivating virtues in little ways in significant ways the spiritual life is uh, maturing you have to you have to motivate yourself the thing the, the ruin the thing that ruins it is clinging to things to teachers to techniques to ideas to views and opinions so that this you know this this retreat I'm trying to to give you the, the uh, to honor you with the and encourage you to motivate yourself rather than me kind of pushing you along. I mean that you 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 make yourself get up in the morning. You you bring yourself to the morning chanting. You you practice. You develop. It's coming from you you doing it, not from intimidation or or someone forcing it. The only way the spiritual qualities can ever manifest is through your own dedication, that awakening within yourself, and not just becoming another kind of uh, child who needs uh, somebody always to tell them what to do next, or when to get up, when to go to bed, put on your wellies and button up your sangatis. The holy life is a, a rising up. It's putting forth effort even when you don't want to. Especially when you don't want to. When you want to just say, oh, to heck with it all. And uh, I'm fed up and I don't want to do this anymore. But that in us which still keeps going and rises up and keeps doing what is what is a right and appropriate thing to do. As I've noticed with with, uh, with the monks and nuns that have uh, developed, is that they still will rise up to do things even when they don't feel like it. Remember in Bumwai years ago, what Nanachat and uh, Venerable Nando, uh, he and I were having a difficult time with each other. And um, but he'd taken on this determination, Aditana, to uh, massage my uh, bad foot every day. 
every evening. And so even though some days he absolutely couldn't stand me and was really angry by me, he still would come very nicely, very properly, massage my feet. I didn't know at the time that he was that angry or that annoyed. And yet, there is this sense of doing what is what he vowed to do and what is right, what is beautiful, regardless of how he personally felt about me. Whether he liked me or didn't like me at the time, it had nothing to do with it. That is a that is a quality that takes us to spiritual realization, that kind of ability. To be able to do what is right and what is beautiful, even when you don't want to, especially when you don't want to, and and to do uh, and be respectful and proper to those, even though you, to people who you can't even stand, but do what is right and and good and appropriate. And I found I was very impressed. Very, uh, that's a, I, I found that very difficult actually myself. Go and massage somebody's feet who I hate. But he is a Scorpio. <laughs> With the morning chanting, evening chanting, this, this, uh, remember that you, you have to make the determination to, to make these work, to, to come to it, to make it a, uh, something that, that you, you would not miss for anything. That's the, the 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 way of our life is the pujas. These are these are the structures, the the important points to to come to 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 assemble together for this this morning chanting. It's easy to assemble for the morning gruel or the meal, isn't it? Everybody's usually everybody tends that. But what's really important, spiritual food sometimes can be, it's easy to go on a spiritual fast. Spiritual food you're going without. <coughs> Some of you, I know, you're, you're very dependable, so when you don't come in the morning, I, I have no, uh, it, nothing goes in my mind. It's because I know you're you're probably ill. You have a good excuse. Some of you take every excuse not to come in the morning. <laughs> if you if you have a hangnail, or you just don't feel like like getting up that early, or you think you might be catching a cold, or any possible excuse, you'll take it. And of course, that that doesn't give much confidence. Because you're not creating yourself as a as a member of a community where where there's confidence, uh, trust. You know, you're just someone who follows how you're feeling, uh, how you happen to be feeling this morning. And that kind of person is, is untrustworthy. One doesn't ever trust them. You can't respect them very much because they're just uh, victims of their feelings. 
in a community, we, we do affect each other. So we, we know when each other is here and not here. And we do, I mean, it's even, we, even though we try to be compassionate and understanding, we also very much aware of, of each other's presence. It's just because of this sensitive, uh, formation, having a human being and, and, uh, being the way we are, we are aware of each other's presence. We affect each other in various ways. So we determine uh, to try to affect each other in in uh, in positive ways, in, in supporting each other, in helping each other. Now speaking about virtues, and that is all very nice and inspiring, but also you've got to have some kind of inner spark, and you've got to have real... Uh, sense of, of, of developing confidence within rather than just blind obedience. Because another thing I find irritating is just obedience in a kind of slavish way. I don't, I find that very irritating. It's people who, who obey you like slaves. That's, that's an ugly kind of thing to do to somebody, to be, try to be a slave to somebody. So that's that's not what that's not a spiritual quality, slavishness or blind obedience. You see what what we the 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 brightness of our human condition is, and the, the opportunity, the wonder, the miracle, the radiance of it is. Uh, but it's always a matter of rising up, of not sinking down, and of 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 really putting forth the kind of effort which awakens rather than just, uh, say, uh, destroys or uh, goes too far the other way, where you're missing the mark because you're putting too much effort into what you're doing or you're not putting enough, enough effort. People that have spirit have, some, have, their, have a spirit, in, an, an inner force, are those that move toward the spiritual realization. And until that spirit is awakened, then of course you're, you're just going to become institutionalized by monasticism. It's a fine line, isn't it, between being somebody who wants to please and, uh, and, uh, and being someone who knows how to do what is pleasing what is right, appropriate. Being somebody who, who can obey without being somebody who, who obeys uh, out of fear or out of demand for, for acknowledgement. Being somebody who, who takes on the responsibility for their lives without being, uh, say, insensitive to the community, to others around them. It's not, I'm taking on the responsibility for my life and I'm going to live my life. None of your business, that's one extreme. But this, it's being aware of the time, the place, willing to be frustrated, willing to be, to put up and bear with the irritations uh, and that of, of the people around us. 
being able to bear with the the inadequacies of others as well as oneself and the conditions that we find uh, that we're that are affecting us. This is uh, Sunday and twenty fourth, so that the twenty eighth is the Magha Puja, so the winter's retreat also is winding down. Next four days we have certain preparations to make. The sala will be moving back into the sala and um, getting ready for Mangha Puja. So in the reflection is is to take the, the, the obvious fact that the sense of the retreat ending now is the is the perception, isn't it? What begins end when say in the beginning of January it was the retreat is beginning and now this perception of the retreat ending. It is a perception, but it does affect our attitude, isn't it? It's different than the retreat is beginning. To note the difference, not to believe that it's ultimately true, or that it's, or just to to not bother to notice how things are. But the you're we're observing and investigating, recognizing the way things are, the beginning and the ending, the sense of anticipation. When there's something's beginning, you're, you're, you can anticipate it. You can, uh, you can imagine, you can, uh, things that, or project into the future, all kinds of possibilities. But now, say, the sense of the retreat is, it's past, it's only a little bit remains, it's ending. In uh, comings and goings and beginnings and endings. these are reference points for reflection. When I go on my travels, I always reflect on the meetings and separations. Like I'll be flying, I'll be separating from you around the eighth of March. So I'm aware of separation as a, as an experience. I know what separation is. Separating from people that I like and respect from a place that I like is there's always there's a sense of of um, uh, sadness in a way. One isn't glad or happy to get away. One uh, there's separating from the loved, not making a problem about it, but it but there is uh, definitely a feeling involved of separating, having to leave, then then I'll be flying to uh, California for a couple of days to see my sister. So that I'm meeting my sister, looking forward to meeting my sister. That's quite a happy feeling, that thought right now. And I, in the future, I think of going and meeting my sister at the San Diego airport. That being, that's a kind of pleasant anticipation then the separating from my sister and then going flying on to New Zealand and meeting Ajahn Virdamo. That's a pleasant thought also. Meeting with somebody you love and uh, is always a 
something to look forward to, and but which always brings on the inevitable separation. And then from having to leave New Zealand and, and fly to Perth, Australia, meeting Ajahn Jakro, and then the separation, and then rejoining you all here in April. So for these are these are reference points to to contemplate to just the, just this human experience of feeling, isn't it? We have hearts, we have feelings. We're not just kind of computer computerized robots that just go through the motions of life, not feeling anything. Mm. But we do, we feel meetings and partings and things are feel this way. If you have to meet with somebody you don't like, it's, it's, it's a, a different feeling than meeting with somebody you like, liking and disliking. Separating from the disliked and separating from the liked is, is different, isn't it? It's both, there's the common ground of separation, but the feeling is different. And we're not taking it personally. We're just noting this is the way it is. Say, having to meet with somebody I don't like isn't. I'm not going to. Say, I'm not coming from a position that I should like every but everybody I meet. Either I'm just noticing the way it is, way the way life is as I experience it. It's dhamma, not a. Not not analyzing it on a, on a personal, judging it on a, on a personal plane, how I should be or how I should feel about any situation. I'm not. I'm not trying to become an ideal person or an ideal monk, but working with the way I am, with my, the inferior tendencies, even with the with the faults and inadequacies of my character. That. They can, they're dhammas that I learn from that are there for, to be understood. Like in one's character, we have uh, to, to know the, the, uh, to be able to accept the way one is doesn't mean approving or liking it, but being able to learn from the experience of, of one's own karma. And the spiritual development is transcending that. We're, we're getting beyond it. So we have to rise up, put forth effort. We're not justifying and saying, well, that just you have to take me as I am, you have to accept me as I am, and, and that's the way I am as a, as a kind of justification for uh, inferior ways of behaving. I'm not asking you to accept me the way I am. I will not demand that of you, or that you should just, uh, you know, or, or use it as a defense that that my character is this way, so I can't help it, and and therefore uh, don't don't criticize or don't complain about anything because uh, you just have to take me as I am, which is, you know, I think a very unfair demand. But not a not a demand that I would make. But then the other extreme of always trying to be what you want me to be. It's another that's that's utter hell. Trying to to be the perfect bhikkhu, the trying to always be the smiling, kind Ajahn, 
always trying to be the benevolent patriarchal father, always trying to be the the good friend, the patient, uh, always forgiving, always there for you, always on time, perfect in doing everything right, never do anything wrong. Uh, all this kind of the obligations to to fit into a role of the perfect bhikkhu and the perfect teacher and the guru and all that for you. That's not it either. That's, that's just another delusion of the mind. No, it's not, not saying, you have to take me as I am, or I've got to try to become something for you what you think I should be. Or I should be perfect. I should be the perfect example under all conditions at all times for you at every every second of the day and night is the other extreme. One becomes just a, a kind of... A, one starts resenting it if, that's, if one follows those kind of feelings. But we can observe those reactions in ourselves. The, the dutiful, the wanting to please, wanting to be the perfect example and, and uh, feeling obliged. And, or the rebellious, take me as I am, shut up, mind your own business. I can do what I want. Now as far as Dhamma goes, it, we... We, we probably all of you, we, we experience both extremes. Sometimes, the, the, one wants to please people and and be a good example. One doesn't want to be a bad example or to upset people and or to just follow one's um, desires or. Tendencies that are not very nice. But that very desire to be something, to become something for somebody else is a bhavadana and it always leads to despair. Trying to annihilate, trying to, to get rid of your faults as an act of will is, always takes one to despair. So, obviously, that it's not a matter of, of becoming or getting rid of, but in just seeing the Dhamma of the way it is. The human realm is like this. We're never going to be, uh, we're never going to be ideals. Ideal monks or nuns. That's not what we're supposed to be. It's not a matter of, of be, being an ideal monk or nun, but of, of uh, learning from our karma within the margins and boundaries and and conventions that we choose to use. To be mindful, to be aware, to learn, to be able to respond to time and place rather than to react. Spontaneity, isn't it? Is, we, remember in uh, my university days, we always were trying to be spontaneous. Berkeley, California, 
uh, spontaneity was a word we used a lot. I mean, a, a person who was spontaneous, which we didn't know the difference between impulsive and impulsivity and spontaneity. So I ended up being more impulsive than spontaneous, following impulses. Could be, could be, and considering that spontaneity. But I would use uh, the word spontaneity as as the ability to respond appropriately, intuitively, rather than than just reacting. Impulsivity is a is just we have all these impulses, and if we just follow our impulses, they they uh, we can we just create problems around us if we just follow blindly uh, impulses that we have. We become very insensitive and selfish. And I decide to just follow every impulse. I'm going to be, um, you're going to have a miserable time living with me. If I just follow every impulse, it would be awful, wouldn't it? If each one of us decided to follow our impulses, it would be hell realm, this endless frustration, because impulsivity isn't, isn't, is not spontaneity. Spontaneity comes from intuition, from the ability to, to, to the, the heart that's open and receptive, <clears throat> and therefore responds to a situation appropriately. Isn't fixed with an idea, isn't, isn't tied down to conditioned reactions. But is uh, is able to to respond immediately in the right way to particular situation. I've heard some of you say, "I've never I've never seen perfect monks or things like this." That you looking for perfect monks. There's always something in in every in any one of us that isn't quite ideal or what what should be according to the ideal, isn't it? But then that's another conceit, isn't it, of ours that that there is that uh, we would recognize a perfect monk if we saw one. That that we are some kind of authority and have that ability to recognize a Buddha. And uh, and therefore, we can we can compare every every other monk with with what we know is is perfection or what is absolutely right is a form of conceit, isn't it? When you investigate that feeling of 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 one's own kind of uh, tendency to criticize or look down on or to expect or demand or to think that one knows. Is uh, is definitely the Sakaya Ditti problem. When I was uh, I was brought up in this high church, high Anglican church in Seattle, and they were they had very high standards. In the in America, the Episcopal Church is the is the Anglican Church of England in the, in the in the state. It's called the Episcopal Church, and it it has different levels of uh, 
called High, Medium and Low Church. They used to have these high and crazy, low and lazy, broad and hazy. <laughs> and High Church Episcopalians were a bit crazy, you know, a bit over the top, and very much emulating, copying Roman Catholicism. And so, I have, uh, we have, in this church I was brought up in, Seattle was very much a kind of zealous high church. And I remember my parents were very much involved with it, and, and they, they were so, and the people would, we, there are friends, they, my parents' friends would gather in our home, and, and as they, the priest one time was, they became some of these very strict, uh, pious high church people were, were getting very critical of the priest. And they would count how many times he genuflected or crossed himself or, and he pounded his chest in the right moments or, uh, these little details of, of religious fervor were noticed. And if he didn't do them, they let him know, you know, you didn't do them. You're not a very good priest. And so then they had to get another priest. And they got one, one priest came and he was, he did all the right, he genuflected in all the right places, pounded his chest in the right moments, crossed himself innumerable times, more than necessary, did all the right things, but he, he had a rotten voice. And so in this, in this chanting of the, of the Eucharist, it was, he had, he had, it was tone deaf, so it just came out flat. You know, it was, it was pretty hard to listen to. In the high church, it's quite musical. So, you know, they didn't want him, even though he did all the right things. His voice was uh, something wrong with his voice, and you couldn't want to go to church and listen to this kind of um, off-key intonation. So he didn't get the job. Because probably he was very relieved. And then finally, they got they got somebody else who had a good voice and for a while he did all the right things he genuflected in the right places in the right times and pounded his chest in the right moments and crossed himself innumerable times to get the job but once and he had a good voice but once he got the job his uh, his uh, character began to be noticed that uh, he was a bit uh, kind of stubborn and opinionated and seemed to to have very uh, take sides against people and there were all these and the terrible divisions and people were leaving the church going to the the broad and hazy parishes because we were the only high and crazy one in Seattle people disillusioned upset fed up with just those little things, the ideas, standards of how everything should be, and the appearances and so forth. This, is, this left a very strong impression on my mind as a child because I, I saw the, the hypocrisy and the brutality that, that this, this kind of thing produced people. And this was, you know, in the name of a kind of loving, compassionate uh, God. Jesus Christ. One woman used to, 
is to keep track of how many times a, a priest crossed himself. And she was she had very high standards. She finally had to leave the Episcopal Church and became a Roman Catholic. And then she probably got she probably was was uh, destroyed by Vatican Council. Because I know she wouldn't approve of that. The kind of lenient tendencies. Now in uh, reflective awareness, this is the all of it is is to be uh, included, such as the end of a retreat. Even as a reflective thought, to 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 really notice what is what to be aware, to be with the ending, rather than to just go along with it, kind of ride along with the ending, because it and, and without noticing, without really bringing it as a fully conscious, making it a fully conscious ending. It is only a conventional ending, admittedly, but. Uh, if you're aware of, it's a different feeling, isn't it? A different attitude, ending and beginning. Meeting and separating. You know, looking forward, say, when the chitters, monks and nuns come, is, is a, is a anticipation, pleasant, uh, meeting, meeting your friends, and then separating. I find that, like on Manga Puja Day, uh, there's this, this feeling of coming together, the whole song is together, it's a very nice feeling of being together, all of us here. And then well, I feel it when they all start going, there's a sense of not wanting them to go. You know, wanting to, because it's pleasant to be together, then, then there's a sense of loss, of separation. Not that it's any big problem with me, but it is noticed that the way it is. It's just the is this a natural uh, part of our human state? It's like this because we do feel we 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 can feel happy at meeting and meeting the loved and sad at separation. Happiness and sadness are part of our sensitive uh, condition. Not to be identified with, but to be recognized. Or sometimes you think that you shouldn't feel anything if you're really mindful. You don't feel anything at all. And you, you don't feel happy at meeting and you don't feel sad at separating. That you should just have a kind of total blank all the time, kind of upeka continuously. Like the Mahasi Sayadaw. Absolutely, no, doesn't look like he felt a thing. But to me, that is, uh, that's not the way life is. As a, as a, that's not, I don't, if I think I have to be like that, then that is a, that's a, a, a bawadanha problem, isn't it? So it's not a matter of trying to act indifferent and, and try to pretend one, try to feel indifferent towards everything, but recognizing feeling as anicca dukkha anatta. This, this is a feeling situation. The human state is, is a very sensitive feeling situation to be in. We have hearts 
thoughts and feelings, emotions, senses, sense organs. It's like this. We're, we're in a realm of fire. We have this heat going through us and energy and it feels this way. It's not, we're not kind of bland, uh, neutral, uh, lukewarm, uh, tasteless uh, mediocrities. And uh, to be, a, uh, to be, to see the Dhamma and to be realized truth means that we, we're not trying to to make ourselves into a kind of bland no- nobody. Anatta doesn't be, mean that you become a bland, colorless nobody. But it means that you, you, you free yourself from the illusions of bhavadana, vipavadana. You no longer identify no longer are deluded by desires. So then the spontaneity of a moment is, has, its, has its warmth and its beauty, loving, joyous, compassionate, kind, and equanimous responses appropriate to time and place. Because this is the way it is. This is this this universe, this 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 universe we live in. That would be the Dhamma includes all the, the the beautiful and the the loving, the warm, the the radiant, as well. We live in a, in a universal system of of radiance and beauty, loving and, and joy, are a part of our human experience. These aren't kind of defilements of the mind. The defilement comes through the attachment to desires that we create around this experience. So when we desire, when we when we create desires out of ignorance, then we then we create this realm of misery, of despair and anguish. Like trying in a community life, recognizing that that living with others is always going to be a level of irritation. Because that's just the way it is. One accepts irritation, accepts uh, the the uh, annoyances and frustrations and irritations of community life. Because it's just, that's a part of it. It's, it's, one can bear that. That's bearable. That is no real, that needn't be a problem. When we, when we, when we recognize it, that, that this is an irritating, that the sensory realm in the human birth is, 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 uh, is the experience of irritation. To have, to be in a form such as this and have sense organs and, and have to deal with heat and cold, pleasure and pain, hunger and thirst, and and uh, sexual desires, and being attracted and repelled, and all of this. This is this is the way it is in this in this realm, human realm, and it and it is irritating, frustrating, and annoying a good part of the time. But that's bearable. 
we can we can always bear that. That is no problem. That needn't be a problem. The problems come from thinking it shouldn't be this way, and that everything should be be ideal. Everything should be perfect. You should be perfect. You shouldn't be the way you are. And and the monks, the nuns, the anagarikas, and all that—they should be this way. They shouldn't. There's good anagarikas and bad anagarikas, and there's good monks and good nuns and bad monks and bad nuns. There's those those we we like and we think are wonderful, and there's those we don't like and and we think are hopeless. We can we can measure and compare and say this is this is the way they should be. They should be like that. But this is all the, uh, the, the this kind of emotional reactions are when we follow them, then we are caught in the realm of desire. The bawadanha vipawadanha delusions take over. So in our life together here, and rather than trying to become what we think we should become or trying to please others, the main Emphasis is on seeing the way it is. That's the kindest thing we can do for each other, is to get beyond our delusions. It's not trying to please everyone, or not annoy anybody, or always do the right thing on the surface. It's not the way. But in in seeing and knowing truth and and being aware of being more aware, more sensitive, more receptive to the flow of life, then that is truly uh, worthy of alms, worthy of offerings, worthy of gifts, worthy of hospitality, worthy of respect. So I think we can count the 28 Buddhas the kind of grand finale. The Gulf uh, War has, the land invasion has started. They're probably, probably raging right now in Persian Gulf. Invading Kuwait. I don't think there's going to be anything left of Kuwait. <laughs>